Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz Gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuwana's Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. What's up, everybody? I definitely got senioritis here. <laughs> no, happy to be here with you, though. Wrapping up the week here on Nuanas Now. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your radio dial, on your television set, or maybe you're watching on one of your mobile devices on the ESPN MT app. If you're listening on the radio, you already know it's 1029 ESPN Missoula. If you're watching on TV... You already know it's uh, SWX Montana Television. And if you are streaming on the app, appreciate you for doing it. Share it with your friends. Tell everybody about the new ESPN MT app. Great way to follow along for this show live and archived, as well as Grizz Hockey and uh, Grizz Lacrosse. Ton to get to today here on this Wednesday, our last Wednesday, excuse me, our last day of this week. No show tomorrow, no show on Friday. We'll be back at it on Monday with a full uh, roundup of FCS playoff action and. Uh, Probably some college hoops and anything else that comes up over the weekend. But last show for this week and a pretty standard Wednesday slate. We will uh, hear from Sam Herter, Hero Sports, here in just a couple minutes. Sam is the senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports and Bet MGM. Covers the FCS on a national level. And he joins us each Wednesday to lead the show. Our Montana State Minute, we're just going to talk about the Bobcats-South Dakota State game because we were we were efforting Tommy Malott, but it is uh, finals week there at Montana State. And uh, so, busy schedule. It's t- tough to get it in. Uh, Tommy was only going to be able to join us if we had it later on in the week, but I'm getting kicked out of here as is per usual <laughs> towards the end of the year. Got uh, too many hours left to use before the end of the year, and I got to do them. Got to use them or lose them. So, um, regardless, uh, we'll have Tommy Malott on the show sometime in the uh, foreseeable near future. But we'll talk Bobcats, Jackrabbits, about 4.30. We also have a footy 15, courtesy of Andrew Houghton. He has uh, had a great contributor on his Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast, a familiar name in the soccer world. That's uh, Chris Chitavitsky, the head coach of the Grizz soccer team. And uh, they caught up about the, the semifinals in the World Cup uh, if you hadn't heard the news, France, a 2-0 to zero win over Morocco today. So they are into the championship match, and they will face Argentina. Argentina posted a 3-0 win earlier this week. So um, Sunday, is that right, when the uh, when the championship match will be? 
Sunday, 8 a.m. Mountain Time. Oh, not get Yeah, it's the traditional, they do it 6 p.m. local time Got it. for the World Cup final, so that just works out to 8 a.m. Mountain Time. Hey, could be worse. Going to be a great game. No, it's going to be fun and uh, certainly uh, a global event to be sure, so we'll uh, get you all caught up with the World Cup to round out our number one. Our number two, we have our ESPN Roundtable, and uh, a little different ESPN Roundtable. No interview subject this week. Instead, I'm just going to do the 10 uh, most... Striking or the 10 most memorable storylines from around Big Sky Conference sports this year. Plenty involving Montana schools, plenty involving other schools uh, around the conference. Uh, so we'll do that about 5 o'clock. And then 5.30, our last Grizz star of the week for the year, Josh Bannon, the uh, stud junior power forward for the University of Montana men's basketball team. He will join us about 5.30 for a call-in live interview uh, he had a career-high 27 points against North Dakota State over the weekend, and uh, the Grizz look like they turned a corner. They, they've looked significantly better just in terms of offensive continuity, offensive execution, and uh, they're just, you know, the last couple games out, they've been a lot more pleasant to watch. I mean, just as, as frank as you can be, they just weren't that fun to watch the last couple years, and they look a lot better now. And I think a lot of it's because they have a defined leader at point guard in Brandon Whitney. A lot of it's Josh Bannon and the the level he's taken uh, his game to. So hopefully that uh, maintains because it is definitely one of the most fun sporting events in Missoula when the Grizz men's basketball team is good. Uh, so we will catch up with Josh Bannon about 530. It's your show Outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. The Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all real estate questions you might have, give Brent and his team a call today. 406-888-1029 if you want to be involved in the show. We're also going to give you an opportunity to win a six-pack and a sandwich from Warden's Market a little bit later on here in the show. Uh, usually we do that on Thursdays, but no show tomorrow, so uh, we'll get you filled in and caught up with that as well. And you can always call or text 888-1029, and uh, all guests will join us. Be the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. You can always stream the show on our station website, 1029ESPN.com, as well as uh, on the ESPN MT app. We are into the final four of the FCS playoffs. Just four teams remain alive. And not that surprising, the uh, the final four that stands now. Uh, Montana State will play at South Dakota State on uh, Saturday. Incarnate Word will play at North Dakota State on Friday. Incarnate Word may be the one sort of quote-unquote outsider that's in this Final Four, but they've been coming, and it's been a, a program that's built rapidly. And uh, other than that, Blue Bloods. I mean, three of the four Final Four uh, participants are the same as they were a year ago. The only non-repeat uh, is James Bassett, because James Bassett obviously moved up uh, to the FBS. We go to the Rangers Brothers Army phone line. Welcome in. Our good buddy Sam Herter of Hero Sports and BetMGM Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports. Sam, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Doing good. Uh, looking forward to some great semifinal matchups and looking forward to uh, breaking those down with you. Well, let's talk about the quarterfinals. Uh, it was wild on uh, Friday night. I was doing my show uh, live from the Rocket Arbar downtown Bozeman and watching the NDSU game, and, and Sanford hung 
early in that game. But as Ty Gregorak, one of our contributing analysts, said, he said, hey, buddy, you can go to Fargo and you can hang for a little while. So it's a matter of when they squish you. And that's exactly what happened. Just sort of the same script as it always is. You know, Bison takes somebody's best shot. They fight, fight, fight. And then all of a sudden, uh, North Dakota State just avalanches you and they, they get out of there. With a 27-9 win, they're in the Final Four yet again. I think 11 years in a row now to the uh, the Final Four of the FCS playoffs. So um, what did you see in the, the opening game of the quarterfinals there for the Bison? Yeah, I, I've come to learn that whenever I preview, especially in the playoffs, whenever I preview uh, NDSU and, you know, keys to beating NDSU, keys to the game, and, you know, obviously the first to stop the run, but I always make sure to put in there, stop the run for all four quarters because, you know, there's been a couple times in the past quarterfinals or, or in the past uh, uh, just playoffs in general, I, I should say, where, you know, I, I talked about I don't know if a team can hang for NDSU, uh, stopping the run, and then, you know, a, a team hangs with them for a half, and I got their fans tweeting at me saying, hey, they're looking pretty physical, aren't they? And then I have to respond with, all right, just, just wait until the third and fourth quarter, then we'll see. And so uh, whenever, whenever I write about these games, I always make sure to say it. You can hang for one half for three quarters, but you have to do it for all four quarters or else NDSU will just continue to lean on you and pull away. What did you think of just Sanford and the representation of the SOCON? Because I think the SOCON, a fascinating league to analyze because they actually have as much history in the FCS and in Division One AA as a whole. And they, they were a, a league that had some of the great powers that the subdivision had ever seen, but a lot of those powers have then moved on and moved up. Uh, but Sanford had a, a record-setting year, an all-time great year for their program. Uh, where do you think just the, the SOCON kind of fits in the the, uh, the puzzle that is FCS conferences? Yeah, I think the SOCON is, is rising back up, uh, and I think they continually gain more respect, either, you know, whether it be for fo- uh, for voters. I think, you know, the, the, the playoff committee is still not there on the SOCON just yet. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought the SOCON maybe deserved to have another team in there, like, like a Chattanooga. Uh, you know, possibly, although, you know, I think Chattanooga lost to an unranked team in the final game of the regular season uh, to finish 7-4, and four, and that ultimately uh, left Chattanooga out. Uh, but I, I think you look at the last couple of years, last year ETSU made it to the quarterfinals, and they played North Dakota State in last year's quarterfinals, and they lost by three scores, but they hung in there, just like Sanford, physically, you know, pretty well for two and a half quarters. They didn't get, you know, absolutely run off the field. And then this year, you know, the Sanford, I thought they, they stacked up well physically, uh, much better than expe- expected. Uh, Sanford, you know, the quarterback play just wasn't there. Uh, they tried to start their backup freshman, Crittendon. He didn't have it. They brought in their their, their starter who was battling a hand-wrist injury. He didn't have it in that game either. Uh, but you even look at the other team in this year's, uh, playoffs from the from the SoCon and, and Furman nearly beat UIW, who's now in the who's now in the uh, the semifinals. Obviously, Furman had a uh, a one possession lead with a minute and a half left, and then UIW went down the field and scored. And so, uh, I think the SoCon continues to show that they are a, a good, solid FCS conference. Do they have any heavy hitters like the Big Sky or the Valley? No, but I think they have you know four to five pretty solid FCS programs. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, then the craziness began. First of all, there was no real drama in the game in Bozeman because Montana State just ran rough shot over William & Mary. And then uh, one of the craziest games I've ever watched played out in Sacramento between Incarnate Word and Sac State. We'll get to that one in a minute. But uh, how surprised were you, if at all, Sam, that Montana State was able to just destroy the Colonial Athletic Association champions uh, from William & Mary. 
Yeah, as far I mean, I, I felt pretty confident in Montana State winning that game, but certainly didn't. Pre- I think I predicted maybe a two or three score win for Montana State. Uh, definitely didn't predict a you know a, a fifty-five to, to seven blowout. And you know this, I think overall this probably shows that the CAA is maybe not as strong uh, as, as we expected. I mean, you look at some of their losses in the bracket, and, and Delaware got blown out, and you know New Hampshire mostly got blown out by Holy Cross and William and Mary uh, gets blown out. Uh, you know, Richmond stuck in there pretty well uh, with, uh, with Sac State in the earlier rounds, but overall kind of a, a tough playoffs for the CAA and William and Mary was supposed to be their or was their, their best team 10 and one uh, FBS win pretty solid on defense, disruptive defense, uh, really good rushing attack, uh, but they just uh, were no, no match at all for Montana state. And so, um, you know, that was basically an avalanche, uh, from the start, you know, the first couple of possessions, it seemed like both offenses were just kind of feeling each other out. And then the playbooks opened up, or at least Montana State's playbook opened up, and they just, uh, you know, just took it to William and Mary. How much do you think the CAA misses James Madison? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it obviously hurts not only from a reputation standpoint, just because James Madison is is routinely in the semifinals in the title game. But I just think when you have a team like that, it, it, it brings everyone else up because they see. Yeah. And that's honestly, I think, unfortunately, that's why the CAA and James Madison kind of, they, 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 they didn't get along, you know, a whole lot. James Madison right. and the other CAA teams and other CAA leaderships because James Madison uh, was taking football seriously and they wanted to play in the 2020 fall and they were pouring resources into football and no other CAA team is doing that besides Delaware. And now, you know, there's rumors that Delaware is potentially eyeing an FBS move just because, you know, when you look around and you're playing Towson and Stony Brook, no offense to those programs, but they're not, they're not, you know, putting resources into football like these other programs. And so I think when you have a program like James Madison that should elevate everyone up. um, But you know, when, when you can be, how to phrase it, when you can win a CAA title and be, you know, weaker, you know, you don't have to raise your game up to James Madison's level to win a CAA title. Uh, you know, that's, that's going to hurt uh, the, the CAA because they don't really have that, that juggernaut to chase anymore. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I thought, too. Having watched James Madison live and in person in Harrisonburg in the 2021 playoffs against the Grizzlies and then watching William & Mary uh, live and in person this last Saturday in Bozeman, William Mary's a good team. I thought, and, and they didn't play well at all. And they also just kind of ran into a buzzsaw with, you know, <laughs> nine degree temperatures at you know two a.m. <laughs> East Coast time. By the time that game was over, but whatever, no excuses needed. I just thought William and Mary would be, you know, they'd be a, a nice playoff team. You know, an at large bid that's like a number two or three team out of a you know a, a good conference. But if that's the best. That your conference has to offer, then your conference just isn't quite in the conversation with the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley because you know I, there's only been a couple teams over the last handful of years where when I saw them live and in person, I was like, "Whoa, that is significantly different than most of the teams we see on a regular basis out west." Those teams have been North Dakota State and and James Madison. Everybody else, you're like, "Oh, well, that team's not nearly as physically good as." the Montana, Montana State, Weber States of the world, the Sac States of the world. And uh, so I, I definitely think that uh, the CAA is going to have to find another leader because I think William & Mary will be coming. I think Mike Lennon's a good coach, but I do think that they, uh, they're they quite a ways away uh, in a variety of different ways in that Friday night game uh, in Bozeman. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Uh, 
How about the uh, the wildest game ever? I cannot believe that you could possibly go get 48 first downs and have 740 yards of total offense and lose. But that's exactly what happened uh, to Sacramento State. Uh, just take us through it for you, for you, Sam. I mean, how crazy was that fourth quarter? I mean, it was wild watching them go back and forth, the onside kicks. I mean, never in my life did it seem that 90 seconds was too much time to give the other team, because they, but they were both just scoring at will, especially in that fourth frame. Right, yeah, and just crazy fourth quarter with lead changes and onside kicks, crazy plays, turnovers, you know, misuse of, of timeouts and time clock management uh, there at the end for Sac State. But, you know, I no matter what was going on in that game, I know Sac State fell behind a couple of scores and then they erased that lead with, you know, within a minute of, of game time action. But there was never really a time until the final seconds uh, went off the clock that I, I felt that Sac State was going to lose just because, I think it was, I think I wrote it last week. I think Sac State had five one-possession wins this year, including the playoffs, over-ranked opponents. And so they just always seemed to find a way to to win games late. And I just felt that they would somehow figure it out and win late in this one. But uh, give credit to UIW. You know, like I said earlier in the segment, they also pulled out a close win over Furman uh, in an earlier round. And so UIW has found ways to to make big plays, uh, especially at the end of games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Obviously, when you look at UIW, you kind of have to question their defense. Uh, but at the same time, they did force some some key turnovers. That's really the only time they got to stop was when they forced a uh, turnover. And, um, you know, Sac State is, uh, I know, you know, you know, new head coach, you know, some players entering the transfer portal, uh, but still might have a decent amount of guys back. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna be watching this film, kind of kicking themselves just because they were, uh, you know, a lot of plays, especially turnovers that uh, if, if those didn't happen, uh, could, could, could have been a different outcome. You just have to wonder on the Sac State side of things. I mean, they, they certainly grew the interest in the program the last couple of years, and you saw that reflected in the attendance numbers this year. I mean, they they averaged, you know, 14,000, I think close to 14,000 fans, so certainly, you know, nothing to sneeze at, a respectable number to be sure. Uh, but I just always wonder, like, when, when if, a, if a program means something to a whole bunch of people, it seems like then that can be such a, a huge motivating factor given the result of your team. In other words, like I don't know how many people's lives were just ruined when Sac State lost. And I'm not, you know, I think that sometimes sports fans are over the over the top with their uh, insane uh, emotional attachment to their teams. But make no mistake, I mean, if the Cats would have lost last week, people would have been devastated. When the Grizz came up short and lost in Fargo, people around Montana are talking about it. They're like, man, this, this is a bummer. So you just wonder... Uh, the, the fallout at Sac State or lack thereof. And, and that's why I think it's so fascinating moving forward because so often when you have a coach that takes you to the highest level your program has ever attained like Troy Taylor did, he does it across the spectrum. He does it by bo- boosting interest and winning the press conference and having these slick recruiting classes and all these sorts of things. Troy Taylor just did it with you know the headset on and calling the plays and just putting guys in a position to succeed. And he brought in some good players for sure. But I, I just wonder where Sac State goes because, you know, on one hand, I don't know how you ever replace Troy Taylor, the offensive mastermind, Troy Taylor, the play caller. But on the other hand, he wasn't really doing that much other stuff there like you see so many other coaches uh, infuse their personalities and their energy into a program. So, I mean, what do you think with Sacramento State? I mean, this was definitely the greatest season in their school's history, going undefeated for 12 weeks in a row, winning an FBS game, winning the Big Sky Conference, and winning their first playoff game ever. What's next, though, for Sac State now with Troy Taylor out and Andy Thompson in? Yeah, having that internal hire 
possibly helps, uh, you know, just because he, he, he knows that system and, uh, you know, gives the players that are coming back, uh, you know, some, some level of comfort there. But, you know, they have been hit by, uh, they will be hit by some several key departures as far as uh, seniors graduating, but also some key guys into the transfer portal. You know, Scanabo is, is a major one um, entering the transfer portal. So we'll see if, you know, what they have next season. But it's, you know, I can't remember. if It might have been like 2017, 2018, something like that, where Sac State was either 5-6 and six or 6-5. Six and five. Um, they, they had a record somewhere around there. So it's not like they went from 0-11 to you know, 10 and one in one year under Troy Taylor, they've always been kind of average, uh, I guess, That's but right. you know, yeah, maybe, you know, some folks around the FCS might not, may not realize that. And so um, they do have, you know, something there. Um, you know, I, I will, we'll see what the fan base is like, obviously when you go from, you know, whatever they were drawing a few years ago to over 15,000, you know, certainly that means some, some people jumped on the bandwagon, uh, whether they stay on the wagon or not, probably depends on how much Sac State is winning. Um, but you kind of have to expect just with their departures that, uh, they will take a step back next year, and you know I don't know what their schedule is, but maybe they're they're back to they're not back to, but maybe they're a seven and four, eight and three type of team, and not a eleven and zero type of team. They certainly can get talent there for sure. I think it's just about making that talent play together, learning how to win. I think that's the one thing that Taylor did do uh, outside of X's and O's was uh, instill a winning mentality. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here uh, on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio, uh, and then the, the only Saturday quarterfinal. Holy Cross, South Dakota State. And it's funny, you know you've arrived as a program when people are are saying, oh, man, you look vulnerable or you didn't play that well when you go get a three-touchdown win in the quarterfinals against a team that I thought was pretty good that played really well. I mean, we have talked about Holy Cross with a certain level of skepticism all season long. And after watching them live in person, they're a good squad and their quarterback's great. And I thought that he was outstanding. He carried them in that game. Uh but SDSU, nonetheless, the top seed moves into the, the final four. And I know that there's some people around Montana that want to think that, man, SDSU might look a little vulnerable, but they look pretty darn good to me, especially the way that they closed out that game. What do you think of the Jackrabbits just slamming the door in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it was a, a little bit like the NDSU game uh, where the, the opponent battled tough for a half or two and a half quarters, but you kind of just always felt that at some point the dam was going to break and, you know, South Dakota State certainly had the, the physical advantage there, and uh, you know they just leaned on on Holy Cross and eventually pulled away pulled away there at the end. Um, and it was on the on the Holy Cross offensive side, it was the Matthew Sluka show. Um, he ran for over 200 yards from the quarterback position. Uh, now most of that was not necessarily by design. It was some some passing plays where he just tucked it in or on and in. South Dakota State didn't have a, a, an answer for that. And so it'll be a little bit of a different look, obviously, because Montana State, when, when they run the quarterback, it's, it's by design, not necessarily uh, as much scrambling as Luca did. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at the semifinals, and if you want to talk about, okay, who looked vulnerable, who looked good enough to win the national title, I mean, you can say that South Dakota State looked vulnerable. You can say that North Dakota State looked vulnerable. You can say that UIW, their defense isn't good enough to win a national title. And, you know, really the only team that looked like the most complete team was Montana State, uh, but at the same time, you know, I think right now you have to look at Montana State plus, you know, South Dakota State. I, I think as far as just the odds is, is probably still uh, the odds-on favorite to uh, to win it all. But um, you know, it's just that's kind of how the playoffs are. Uh, I think one year when NDSU went sixteen and zero, they beat Illinois State like nine to seven in the quarterfinals, right. and everyone was saying that oh, the Bison, the Bison don't look good enough. Uh, then they, they won their, their final two. And so um, each round is its own round. And, um, yeah, maybe South Coast State didn't look great in different stretches of that game, same with NDSU, but at the same time, um, I mean, no offense to UIW, but I think it's 
it's probably a, a three-team race right now all at the top with South Dakota State, Montana State, and, and North Dakota State. And that's like the dynamic that uh, at the same time it's expected and also, I don't want to say frustrating, but it, it's almost as if, if at this moment in time with the state of the FCS, the the things that influence success in college football and and the investments that the the sort of power three there have all made in their programs, it seems as if this is exactly where they should be. And so, I, you know, I can't help but think that right now the only thing that would make any of these teams exceed expectation, I mean, North Dakota State's expectation is to go to first go and win it. That's what their expectation has been for a decade. South Dakota State and Montana State, they played, you know, 13, 14 games to get to this point, and now it's this next win that could put the expectation where, where you're actually finally exceeding expectations. So what do you think of this sort of the state of the FCS? Because if you were to break it down based on what you need to be good in college football these days, resources, support, facilities, tradition, uh, good talent, you know, all those things, it's no surprise whatsoever that it's NDSU, SDSU, and Montana State, Right. Right, and a lot of the offseason, you know, the kind of the, the, the storylines and the narratives were not only NDSU rolling in Frisco, but also the, the losses of James Madison, Jacksonville State, yep. and Sam Houston, along with, you know, the Coastal Carolinas, Georgia Southerns of the world. And it was, you know, basically, what, what is the FCS playoffs going to look like? Is it going right. to be, you know, essentially the, the Mondak Invitational when right. you have the two Dakota States and then Montana State and Montana in the Final Four, um, you know, basically every year. And obviously the Grizz, you know, haven't gotten to that point uh, just yet. But, you know, it's, it's an eye-opening moment for the Grizz, though, too, right? I mean, because yeah. if, if you're talking about all these factors that go into it, Montana has all those things I just named, and they're not sitting here in the Final Four. Right, and it, it seems like if, if it's not going to be those four, it's going to be three of those four teams and then, you know, another team having a good year. Um, but that's kind of the thing with the FCS, even, you know, going back almost a decade is just a sustaining success where, you know, South Coast State, Montana State, North Coast State, Montana, they have the pieces in place to sustain success. But, I mean, Towson made it the championship game in 2013. They haven't sniffed it since. Right. Illinois State was good for a couple of years. They haven't been back since. Youngstown State made a national title run. They haven't been back in the playoffs uh, since, you know, what's going to happen with, with UIW now that they lose Lindsey Scott after this year and th- their second head coaching uh, change in two years, does UIW, you know, make it back to the semifinals, you know, anytime soon. And so it just seems like it's going to be three of these four teams, if not these four teams that I just mentioned. Um, and then you're going to have teams kind of rising and going just because, you know, UIW doesn't, you know, they, they're a small college. <laughs> they're a very small college uh you know, in San Antonio, and they don't have the resources in place. And so, um, yeah, that's just going to be the, the interesting thing going forward of, um, you know, who, who else can rise up and who can, who can maintain that level of success is, is the biggest thing. Friday night, North Dakota State hosts Incarnate Word. Saturday, South Dakota State hosts Montana State, a rematch of last year's semifinal game, except for this time it's in Brookings instead of in Bozeman. Uh, Friday night, what do we expect, Sam? I mean, Lindsey Scott's a hell of a player. He's done a great job of leading Incarnate Word to this point. They're incredibly explosive on offense. They spread the ball all over the place. Because they do play an opposite style of North Dakota State, I actually think that gives them, I'm not going to say an advantage, but I don't think you're going to beat North Dakota State in your own game. Maybe Montana State can this year. We'll see if they get to that point. But right, I do think that it's an intriguing matchup with Incarnate Word. All that said, though, NDSU I mean, they're in the semifinals on Friday night with the chance to go to Frisco. This is just like rinse and repeat. This is what we get every single year. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, and I, I think we've talked about it on your show before of 
how do you beat North Dakota State? And it usually is spreading them out with a mobile quarterback and then still having the threat uh, to run. And that's what Incarnate Word does. Obviously, Lindsey Scott has a ton of weapons on the outside. But the thing, too, is UIW is number 15 in the FCS when it comes to uh, rushing offense, and so they can get it done uh, on the ground as well. Especially when you know you got the linebackers and the safeties, you know, dropping back, thinking it's it's pass, pass, pass. They can uh, you know run Scott or or they have a thousand yard running back uh, as well in Cooper. So um, I, I think matchup wise uh, could challenge NDSU, but at the same time uh, we have seen you know these type of offenses get overwhelmed uh, in the trenches, and uh, you know the, the best way to to slow down an up tempo offense is to just overwhelm that offensive line um, and kind of get them on their heels a little bit and not allow the quarterback to get into rhythm. And so uh, I think that'll be the key. And then on the flip side, I mean, we thought that NDSU was going to run all over Sanford and, you know, they, I think NDSU only went for about 150 against Sanford, uh, you know, UIW statistically, and especially against Sac State was not that good against the run, but you know, can they do something like Sanford did and, and kind of uh, halt NDSU's run as good as possible? Um, you know, they got a, a big six foot one, three hundred and seventy five pounder defensive tackle UIW. He's going to be hard to move uh, off his spot, and um, and so I, I assume UIW is going to sell out and stop the run. But uh, you know, again, you have to do that for all four quarters uh, to get a win. And it seems like you know, there's been times when NDSU hasn't played great in the quarterfinals this year, last year, twenty nineteen. Uh, but then they just you know play one of their most complete games in the semifinals, and so we'll see if the Bison do that again. Be fascinating. Watch one last thing for you. Then Sam Herder, Hero Sports Senior FCS Analyst, covering the FCS on a national level. Uh, the Bobcats—they seem like they got the mojo right now. But this uh, South Dakota State team also has been the team to beat all year long, and uh, that's indicative in the number one seed that they possess. And uh, you also have to wonder just how many years John Stiglmeyer is going to make a run at this thing. And uh, he said since day one that he thought this was uh, his best offensive squad, his best team overall. And to this point, they've proven it. So uh, what, what do you think of this matchup between the Bobcats and the Jackrabbits and Brookings? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a matchup of the hottest team in the FCS, which is Montana State going up against a team in South Dakota State who's been number one all of, you know, based for, for not all of, but, but, but most of the season the Jackrabbits have. And the Jacks probably have, you know, the best top-end talent in the FCS right now, when you look at you know two two tight ends that that will you know probably go pro, they have a couple of of you know undrafted free agent type offensive linemen. You know the Yankee twins are, are getting some NFL buzz now. You know on on the defensive side of the ball, Reese Winkleman, Caleb Sanders are, are two really good defensive linemen. You know Adam Bach is a, a first team All American type guy. You know he would have been a first team All American again if he played the full season. So they just have like th- those top end All American next level pro names. Um, you know, to complete, and they also have, you know, a whole lot of depth too, but then they run into a Mon- Montana state squad that, you know, also has, you know, the, the big names of Fonse and Malat and Chambers, um, you know, Sebastian Valdez, I know is getting a lot of postseason love uh, as well, but, um, you know, it just seems that the Montana state is rolling right now. They're the hottest team in the FCS. They're playing, uh, the best right now. It seems like in the FCS, especially with, you know, how they, they took it to Weber State for the most part. I know that was a close game at the end, but took it to Weber State, took it to William & Mary. Uh, it just seems like the Bobcats are, are, are playing the best uh, right now in the FCS. But it, it is a road game, and, you know, we saw it last week. You know, the, the, the key players, the best players for South Dakota State make, made big-time plays, whether that was Jackson Yonke, you know, Tucker Kraft, you saw him six foot five, 265 times, uh, 265 <laughs> pounds, moving in the open field. Like, he, he makes big-time plays, and it seems like in a game like this, 
you need your best players to make that one big play. Um, and South Dakota State was able to do that last week, and we'll see if they can do that this week. He's Sam Herder. He joins us each week here on Duana's Now to Lead Wednesday's show, talking our way around the FCS, and we're getting down to it. Just four teams left in the FCS playoffs. Sam, appreciate the time, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. But thanks so much for being here today. Yep, thank you. There you go, Sam Herter, Hero Sports. Go check out his writings, herosports.com. More on the Montana State-South Dakota State game next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuanas here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years' experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. ESPN Radio. Four shows, including this one, left in 2022 here at Nuanas Now. So we're listening to some of my most listened to songs of the year. You're probably thinking to yourself, why are you still listening to Limp Biscuit? <laughs> well, I have to say that uh, one of the, uh, if, you, if you've been following along, you know that I love the documentaries. One of the great new doc series out is the uh, Music Box miniseries which is like, it's like 30 for 30s, but for music. And it's it's a Bill Simmons property, a Bill Simmons intellectual uh, creation. And he's also the guy who came up with 30 for 30, a guy I look up to a lot and uh, we model a lot of our content creation after. And uh, he uh, has this great new deal, Music Box. And one of the Music Box episodes was about Woodstock 99. So I got stuck on the Woodstock 99 album and that, that was playing on my... Uh, by Spotify, so we're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of uh, hard rock uh, here today. A lot of it stemming from that documentary. Welcome back, New Orleans now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. Coulter New Orleans coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting. Locally owned and operated for more than 15 years, and uh, happy to say so. We have been able to make it to live football games across the big sky, particularly for the Montana schools, all season long. But we will not be making it to Brookings, South Dakota. You know, unfortunately, there's a there's certain times where the cost benefit analysis is necessary, and. Uh, it's not just uh, how how pricey it is to get from Missoula and or Bozeman to Brookings. I mean, you're talking four figures for the flights to get into Sioux Falls. You're still going to have to rent a car and drive another hour. But it's more like time is money, right? I mean, it's a 16-and-a-half-hour drive from here. And I don't know if you have noticed, but 
it's not that nice outside. So uh, we regret that we can't make it, but we won't be there. But we will have full coverage for you here at ESPN MT as well as SkylineSportsMT.com. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to figure out a way to, to get a bunch of content out of it, and uh, it'll be all just fine. And we kind of figure, well, you know, if they uh, if Montana State goes over there and uh, they win, then we're almost certainly going to be going down to Frisco again uh, for the national championship game. And if they uh, go over there and they come up short, well, there's, uh, there's a lot of guys on this Bobcat team that are underclassmen. And uh, I think that combined with this sort of the state of FCS football, uh, I do think they'll be back. But I do think that this year... Um, that's why the playoff system is great and also why it's flawed. I think that last year, the national championship game was played in Fargo, North Dakota in the semifinals. I think the two best teams were North Dakota State and James Madison. Montana State was a good team last year. They are a great team. They went, went to the national championship game. But I, I do think that the tougher side of the bracket pitted the two best teams against each other in the semis in Fargo. I think that's the exact same thing here this year, except for I think the two best teams in the bracket, play Saturday in Brookings. I, I think that Montana State and South Dakota State are the two best teams in the country. The North Dakota State's very good, but I do think that Montana State has a, a real gripe that they were seated behind the Bison, despite going undefeated in Big Sky Conference play, having one, uh, having no FCS losses. And granted, North Dakota State's lone FCS loss is to South Dakota State, the top seed. And I think that was probably the determining factor in the committee's mind, but the Bobcats haven't lost the FCS game yet this year. So I do think they had a real gripe. It's really too bad because I do think that with the way the bracket played out, we should have one semifinal game here in Bozeman and one in Brookings, and you'd have the rivalry game there between SDSU and NDSU on one side of the semi, and then Montana State hosting Incarnate Word on the other side. But uh, alas, that's not how it goes. And you got to beat good teams to, to get to the national championship and win a national championship. So... Um, I do think the Bobcats have a great, but also you are going to have to beat either South Dakota State or North Dakota State or both to win the national championship anyways. So what a story it would be if Montana State was able to go do it. Let's talk. Uh, we'll dive into our Montana State Minute here on Nuanas Now presented by J&V Restaurant Supply. J&V Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Got any uh, big family parties coming up for the holidays, New Year, whatever? You can go... Find everything you need for your big uh, family get-togethers at JNV's three great locations, Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. Can't make it in. JNV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. We'll talk a little bit more about this game in hour number two as well. But I do think that there's some interesting matchups here. I think the number one X's and O's personnel matchups you're going to be watching in this game, Montana State rushing for 330 yards a game. They've gone over 300 yards rushing eight times now after going for 328 last week against William & Mary. South Dakota State has the best rushing defense in the country. They've been tremendous against the run. They're only giving up about two and a half yards per carry. They've only given up uh, more than 100 yards rushing, I think, twice all season long. They have a really fast defense. they got a really good defensive line. Uh, the Jenkins kid in the middle there is is definitely one of the best players in the in the uh, football championship subdivision. So that's that's strength versus strength. On the other side, uh, but also though it is strength versus strength. But I also don't think the South Dakota State's played an offense like Montana State because Montana State's offense is the best offense I've seen in the FCS so far this year, with the exception of the Jackrabbits. That's the other 
matchup, though, in this one where uh, South Dakota State, they can hurt you on the ground. Isaiah Davis, I think, is a, a, a potential NFL guy. And if he is, how about that string of running backs there at SDSU? I mean, you're talking about Zach Zenner, who went on to play for the Detroit Lions. Talking about Pierre Strong. I mean, if you watch Monday Night Football, Pierre Strong scored a touchdown for the New England Patriots. So, I mean, he he is every bit at worthy of being a fourth-round draft pick like he was this last year. Now you got Isaiah Davis. If he goes to the league, that's three in a row there at SDSU. So pretty impressive. Officially, by the way, South Coast State giving up 85 rushing yards per game, 2.8 yards per carry. So they have a great back. Uh, SDSU does. Montana State's defense, though, by the way, has gotten significantly better uh, in recent weeks. Um, I think part of that is opponent. Part of that is just gelling. And then you have to wonder if part of it's just sort of the the influx nature of their defensive coordinator position. Willie Mac Garza was suspended for uh, the uh, the playoff game against uh, Weber State. And I, I'm not actually really sure who was calling plays last week against William & Mary, but they definitely have been running a lot more uh, unorthodox pressures. I mean, as evidenced by Ty Okada having three sacks in the last two weeks, he's Montana State's nickel. So definitely some more blitz packages there. But I think SDSU, the place where and, – and even though Montana State's defense has been vulnerable – the uh, Bobcats have been good against the run so far this year. I think the place where SDSU could make some money is on the perimeter. I mean, Matt Gronowski is a really good quarterback. Uh, he's the stud that they wanted uh, to be their guy for a really long time. He got hurt in the spring season, so he had to miss last year. And that's what led them to bring it in Chris Oladokun, uh, who's now with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but was a seventh-round draft pick out of SDSU. Um, Gronowski's been solid this year. He's completed 65% of his passes, 2,555 yards, 21 touchdowns, and just five picks. And they got some great targets on the outside. Jackson and Jaden Yonke, the Yonke twins, uh, they've combined for more than 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns. They're the two leading receivers there. Uh, Tucker Craft missed some time this year. He's only played in seven games. But he is the number one. <laughs> Who the hell is that guy when you turn on the TV? Every time you see him, you're like, who is this beast man? I mean, he is so big and strong. And uh, then you realize, oh, it's Tucker Craft. And uh, it, it's only a matter of time for that guy's playing on Sundays as well. But I, I do wonder how much money South Dakota State can make in their passing game against the Bobcat defense that's been a little bit vulnerable uh, against teams that throw the ball. And then I think the last factor here is an intangible one. I think that both these teams truly believe I think that South Dakota State's been waiting their turn for a really long time, and I think they, I think that it's a well-known deal that, that this is John Stigelmeyer's best team, the team that has the best chance to win it all. And it also happens in a year where maybe NDSU isn't quite as powerful; they're not quite as immortal. And I'm not, you know, maybe North Coast State's probably. I mean, the way this is all going to probably work out is North Coast State's just going to go prove everybody wrong and say, "Ha, down year, two losses, whatever, we won again." <laughs> but Regardless, I do think South Dakota State totally sees that this is a golden opportunity for them and for their football program. But I also think that Montana State has that very elusive but very real sense of belief. I think that they've been building towards this for a really long time. There are so many factors that go into it. I think that Brent Deegan has become the perfect coach for this Bobcat football program. And so I don't know if there's an advantage or disadvantage there. With the intangible factors, I mean, the line in this game is is South Dakota State's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I, I would even put it closer than that. I think that the Jacks definitely get probably a field goal for being at home, and maybe you give them the hook. Uh, but I, I would say the South Dakota State's probably three-and-a-half to four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. 
and, and that's just because of the where it's being played at, the travel that it's going to take to get there, and uh, just sort of the, the redemption that they have on their side after losing 31-17 to the Bobcats in Bozeman a year ago. So this should be a hell of a game. Uh, should be really fun, and we'll have more coverage for you of this game, SkylineSportsMT.com, as well as on this radio show. The FCS football playoffs are dominating the Montana conversations right now with the Bobcats still alive. But on the global scale, nothing is comparing to the World Cup. Andrew Houghton, our producer and uh, the presenting host of Soccer in Snow and Smoke, a podcast courtesy of ESPN Missoula, he caught up with Chris Chitavitsky of the Grizz soccer team earlier uh, today. Our footy 15, World Cup style, next. Keep it right here. Go on as now. ESPN Radio. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Much as we've discussed throughout the FCS playoffs about how uh, now we're to the Final Four, and it seems like the teams that you just assumed and expected to be there, at least three out of the four of them, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana State, are there. I think that there might be a similar narrative when it comes to the World Cup. I don't know nothing about soccer. That's why we let Andrew Houghton talk all about the soccer. But uh, it seems to me, if you were to say, Coulter, with your uh, unbelievably rudimentary knowledge of soccer, who will be playing for the World Cup championship in the finals? And I probably would have said uh, Argentina versus Spain or France. <laughs> and we got Argentina uh, versus uh, France coming up on, on Sunday Andrew Hout has a great podcast, Soccer in Snow and Smoke. Uh, Andrew, set this footy 15 up for us. Yeah, just uh, wanted to catch up right after these semifinal games. We had Argentina and Croatia yesterday, France, France and Morocco today. Wanted to get just the instant reaction after those, uh, the instant reaction in this championship matchup. So I called up Chris Chavisky, uh to just talk through those semifinal games and talk through that championship matchup, it's the biggest game in the world, Coulter. So many storylines going into it, uh, and we talked a little bit about that, starting with, of course, the last run of Argentina's Lionel Messi trying to win the trophy that he has never won. 2015 presented by Flanagan Motors. Flanagan Motors has been a part of this Missoula community for more than 50 years and strong supporters of soccer around Missoula for more than five decades. Yeah, and really also just a a vintage, I I don't even want to say vintage because he continues to do this, but just an incredible performance from Lionel Messi in that game. And I think the difference in that game was that essentially Argentina had Lionel Messi and Julian Alvarez and Croatia didn't. But what about just that performance from Messi? We all know the narratives about him coming into this World Cup. It's likely almost certain to be his last. It's the one trophy that's missing from his trophy case. He's never won the World Cup with Argentina. To do that, to get to the final. 
Yeah, I, um, I, I, it must have been about halfway through the game. I'm texting with some people that, that I know, college coaches around the country, and just saying, you know, all Messi's are going to do is dive, and he's not going to move this much, that much. It's, you know, obviously poking the bear, because he's a little bit older, and he's not as agile as he used to be. And yet Messi put in, a, like, a 25-year-old vintage Messi performance at times. I mean, he's the way he dribbled to set up that third goal was something I haven't seen him do that effectively in a very long time. He's fired up. He wants to win this thing. He's a, just, he's on edge. And I haven't seen that kind of light in his eyes in a long time. So it's scary, to be honest. He won me over yesterday where I was like, that's a person who can win you a World Cup on his own if he wants to now. So that's why I think Argentina's peaking because Messi's coming back to life. Yeah, incredible third goal for Argentina. If you watch the game, you know which one we're talking about. Messi picks it up on the right side of the field. Tercelsko Gvardiol, the young Croatian center back, outside back, who's been really one of the stars of this tournament. He's had a great tournament. Yeah. He's going to get a big money move coming out of that. Turns him into knots a couple times, turns him around, gets to the byline, slides it across for Julian Alvarez for the third that really put that game to bed. And that must have just been such a relief for Argentina after having the two-goal lead disappear against the Netherlands so late in the previous game, but that one really put it to bed. Yeah, and they've learned so many good lessons along the way, which you just said that they lost an opening game with all that weight of the whole world almost on your shoulders of Texas Lawrence World Cup. Here you go. You got humiliated by Saudi Arabia. You had to work your way back in. You've had to be 2-0 up. Now all of a sudden you're 2-2. Now you've got to go into a shootout against a team who's emotionally trying to rile you up and get in your faces. And Messi's being hot, Messi's being cold, Messi's missed penalties, now he's scoring penalties. It seems like they've gone through the whole gamut, the whole thing that you could possibly go through to set them perfectly up in the final of we've experienced everything in this tournament and now we're ready to to go all out in this final game. Yeah, I've been thinking about their run just as they've continued to, to go on and make it now all the way to the final I think that one of the huge moments of this World Cup looked pretty big in the moment, but is now like, wow, that might have been the turning point. Has to be Messi's opening goal against Mexico in their second game in the group stage because you lose to Saudi Arabia. That's supposed to be your easiest game in the group stage. You lose in the first game of the tournament there. And then Mexico takes you into the 60th, past the 60th minute scoreless. If you draw there, you're in a huge amount of trouble. And Lionel Messi just with a great strike from outside the box to make it one nothing yeah. to finally give them the lead in that game. Like, how huge is that just for where they're at now? But, Chris, let's focus exactly. now on this Argentina-France final. So many great narratives individually with these teams, with these two teams facing off against each other. What's just your favorite storyline coming into it? Oh, everybody's going to say Messi, right? Messi or Mbappe and just those two. And I'm sure those are going to be plastered all over the TV. So, oh, it's Messi against Mbappe in the final. But I feel like there's, there's so much squad depth between the two of them. Love that France is going up to be the first team in goodness knows how many years to win back-to-back World Cups. And then the whole romantic tale of Messi winning his first World Cup. Um, and so there, there were just so many cool storylines with this piece right now that I honestly don't know who I want to have win because I wasn't rooting for either of them going into the tournament. So I'm more than happy to sit back and watch somebody score an early goal and just hopefully this thing just explodes into like a 3-3, three, 4-3 three, three, something, just goal-scoring extravaganza that we never forget for the rest of our lives. 
Yeah, it'd be great if it was actually like the, the France-Croatia final last time around, but Chris does such a great job there laying out, I think, the really big narratives that you're going to hear a lot about this game going into it. Of course, Lionel Messi looking for his first World Cup, and as we mentioned, I mean, he's won everything else that there is to win. I don't think he needs this for his argument to be the greatest of all time, but it's just it's the one trophy missing for Lionel Messi. France, as you mentioned, looking to be the first team in a long time to go back-to-back as winners at the World Cup. Chris, I actually love the storyline of Mbappe and Messi because I think Kylian Mbappe is one of a very, very few players in the world right now who have a chance to reach the heights that Lionel Messi has achieved in his career. And it's going to be incredible to watch them on the same field together the old great and the young one who might have a chance to reach those heights, and this would be huge for Mbappe's legacy, even though he is so young. I mean, the best player for back-to-back World Cup champions. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, talk about a great kickstart to that story, which is going to be written in like a decade-plus time about Mbappe. But, yeah, I mean, those two have been phenomenal all tournament, which is why they're both leading the tournament when it comes to goals. So they could light it up, but then there's also that little subplot of Giroud, and Giroud was meant to be Mr. Super Sub, who comes off the bench and scores goals late when Mbappe and Benzema can't do it, but then Benzema's hurt, and now you've got this, I can't remember if he's 36 or 37, but Giroud is in, like, the form of his life all of a sudden, too. He's got this late explosion right before his career dies off, and is just leading that French line so well, and I wish he would almost get a little bit more attention because I think everybody does want to talk about Mbappe, but Giroud has been massive to this team, as has Griezmann. And France have that depth across the board, which Argentina do too. That I mean, Argentina didn't even play Di Maria in the last games. They didn't have to. And he could come on and bend a corner into the goal if he felt like it. So, yeah, there are so many cool things going on right now, and I cannot wait to watch the game. Yep, Argentina-France to decide the World Cup. That game is Sunday 8 a.m. Mountain Time. We're not getting the nice noon kickoffs that we got for these semifinals, but it's worth watching, let me tell you, for all the reasons that we've mentioned and several others besides. Chris, just your analysis of what those teams are going to try to do against each other, it's not one like a France-Morocco where you think that one team is going to have the initiative, is going to have a lot of the possession. I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think so. It'll be slow to start, as it probably should be, right? Everyone's going to feel each other out, which means don't overcommit to attack. Don't send too many players forward because you don't want to do that. As we saw with Argentina, they're great on the counter because of Alvarez's speed up there alongside Messi. Messi can play him into space. Alvarez can go and create things. And France have the same thing in the other direction where Mbappe purposely doesn't track back into any defensive role so that he can just transition and counter. So they'll both almost sit lower, commit less people forwards in attack, and then at some point, hopefully somebody makes a mistake, somebody scores, and then the game opens up. But I think they'll feel each other out. Um, for Obviously, France, it's about stop Messi getting on the ball. So stop the ball getting into his feet will become a big theme. And then how can you crowd him with space? I think other teams have shown Argentina how to stop Mbappe. If you just double up in the right areas, you can take him out of the game. But then you can't forget Griezmann. You can't forget Giroud. You can't forget Rabiot coming out of the midfield. They have very good players and Dembele on the other side who can hurt you. So too much emphasis on Mbappe might hurt you as well, but it'll be interesting to watch. I think it'll be a little clammy to start with and then really open up. And the best thing for everybody in the world right now is somebody scores an early goal and that just changes the whole narrative all of a sudden. 
Yeah, that would really open it up. What I've loved about France just watching them is, I mean, Mbappe has gravity like like a Steph Curry does in basketball. I mean, defenders are drawn to him because they're so terrified of what he can do. And I think he's actually done a really good job of drifting into pockets of space, not even to receive the ball or not even to make the final run, but just to draw players with him and open up some of those other great players that you're talking about. Olivier Giroud, Ousman Dembele's had a great tournament. He did that against England on their opening goal, drifting into the middle, and he wasn't the person that finished it. But that movement is what started that move for France, so that'll be something to watch. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's all to play for. I mean, both of those players are going to put their stamp on the game, and, and we just have to wait and see who else is going to as well. Chris, any other thoughts going into that World Cup final again, Argentina and France, Sunday at 8 a.m. Mountain Time? I just feel like it's been one of the better World Cups I've seen in my lifetime. It's just been so much fun to follow all the games, and let's also remember that the next time the World Cup comes around, the format's completely different. This is the last World Cup that we'll see that's like this with this many teams, with this kind of a setup, and so... Everything's changing here in the future soon, so we might as well enjoy this one. And There you go, Chris Chitavisky joining Andrew Houghton on Soccer in Snow and Smoke. Please go subscribe to that podcast. Got some fun giveaway stuff going on over there. Thanks to our great Soccer in Snow and Smoke podcast sponsors, Blackfoot Communications, helping you to connect to more. Canby Tap House, great place to go uh, get some Christmas gifts. A, a gift card to Canby. Get yourself a growler. Maybe just have some wine. Wow, sounds great. And also thanks to Zootown Sports Cards for their continued sponsorship as well. Talk about a great place for gifts. It's definitely where I'm going to get some stuff for my nephews for Christmas as well. And also thanks to Flanagan Motors for presenting Footy 15 excerpts from Soccer in Snow and Smoke. Hour one of the books, hour two coming at you. Top 10 storylines of Big Sky Conference Sports from the last calendar year. We'll do that next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. There's a lot of people out there that don't slow down for road conditions that are driving recklessly or carelessly, and we want to protect the people that have been injured because of those driver's actions. You deserve an advocate. The Advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The Advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com.